0: Handles the spot on Monday is away on a two-week vacation. He was away last week and away this week, and so I'm uh, pinch hitting on Monday. And um, so last Monday we had uh, the um, PUC in, director of uh, of the uh, deputy director of the Public Utilities Commission. We talked about cable television rates, electric rates, gas rates, all that kind of thing. Um, We'll ask uh, our guest today what he thinks of the PUC and their function, and a whole bunch of other topics, as we have invited on this uh, Monday morning to join us um, outside of the General Assembly session, but uh, nonetheless uh, an individual who has opinions on a broad range of topics, and uh, that is State Representative Brian Newberry. Hi, how are you doing today?
1: Good morning, Roger. How are you? I'm good. So,
0: where do we go? Um, well, first of all, um, I have a little thing here called This Year at the General Assembly. We may talk a little bit about General Assembly matters later uh, in, the, um, in the program. And, um, and also a few North Smithfield matters. Like, for instance, uh, you know, I'm just curious uh, as I read these stories about a new public safety complex for North Smithfield and I read these stories about what to do at Hallowell School, I realize that these are town council issues. You're a state representative. Does anybody uh, bring you in into those uh, or do you stay pretty much aloof for uh, those because they're handled by other individuals?
1: Um, you know, it's, it's funny. The, a couple things. things. The answer to your first question is, does anyone bring me in the loop on these things? Typically, no, um, which is fine with me. It's not my role. Um, do I get involved in issues like that? Typically, as a state legislator, I stay out of it. As a private citizen of the town, I obviously care about these things. Uh, And the reason is I've always been sensitive to I don't want to step on the toes of people whose jobs are different from mine, just like I don't want people telling me what to do whose jobs are different from mine either. So um, I don't get involved as a legislator and issues that are purely, to me, town issues, I don't weigh in, throw my opinion. There have been a couple of times over the years I've gone to a local meeting, school board, uh, town council, a real handful of times, where I've made it clear that I'm speaking as a private citizen on something that I care about.
0: However, there are some town issues that do involve you. Last time you were here, uh, we spoke about um, roads, and uh, with the Department of Transportation, uh, that's a state agency, you're a state official. And so roads um, are uh, pretty much um, your domain. Um, I mean, when people are asking you about roads. Well,
1: it's it's interesting. There's town roads and there's state roads. Mm -hmm. So if it's a town road, there's not really much I can do other than contact town council people and pass on concerns and all that. Uh, People call me all the time, by the way, about speeding. Uh, People speed on my street constantly. In fact, if North Smithfield wanted to raise a lot of revenue, you would probably hire a couple of extra cops, put them in certain spots on town, and they could probably nail everybody in town for speeding. Um, When it comes to state roads, and what's interesting is a lot of times things are state roads that people don't realize are state roads. For example, School Street uh, is a state road um main street is a state road those are not things that jump out at you as state roads but if there's state roads and there's issues then that's something where i can get involved and deal with ride out
0: mm-hmm. and so the main project i think uh in north smithfield that has to do with state roads would be the the interchange The one forty six, right? yeah right. absolutely and uh and is that in progress it looks like
1: oh uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. that's that's that pro- um that project has been a long time coming uh i you know what success has many fathers and all that? There's a lot of people that deserve credit for that happening. Um, I like to give credit where it's due, too. I, I say at the time, I'm not a big fan of our congressional delegation, but they came through with the federal funding for it. Uh, that is, I believe the largest, it may be the largest road construction project in the history of Rhode Island. I'm not talking about building interstate 95 years ago. I'm talking about repairs and all that. Uh, I believe it's on a, at this point we're about a year into a three year timetable and you can see the over, the, the, flyover lanes are being built as we speak. Uh, if you look at the computer models, you can find them online. You can find them on YouTube actually. Um, when it's done, it's going to be very nice. But while it's under construction, obviously, like any project like that, it's, it's a bit of a hassle. But it's, it's going to be very nice when it's done.
0: You talk about a flyover. So, therefore, uh, the traffic signal will eventually be eliminated.
1: It'll be gone, yeah. The, what's going to happen is there's going to be two lanes going both directions, north-south, that are just going to go straight on through. But there's going to be a lane below them, essentially on either side for local traffic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there'll be a light for the local traffic or just stop. There might even just be stop signs for the local Mm -hmm. traffic because you won't need, the the high speed stuff will just go above. So it's gonna, I think for years it's been ranked as the second most dangerous uh, intersection in Rhode Island for terms of accidents, especially pedestrian accidents. A lot of people have been killed there crossing the crosswalk there. Um, Once you move the high speed stuff and you elevate it and get it out of of play, uh, that should make it into a much more normal intersection.
0: So when that light is eliminated, the only traffic signal on Route 146 from Worcester to Providence will be in Sutton. Sutton, yep. Right, and that's, that's not a very pleasant situation there, but I don't see them... Rectifying that anytime soon, other than. Well,
1: they actually redid that. Um, I don't know how if you actually drive up there because being from you know Rhode Island, you may not leave the state very often. Well,
0: I, I, I go <laughs> there because my wife likes that shopping center uh, up there. Oh, up
1: there? Yeah, we. Just, what, what, you don't you know, shop, shop in Place. Rhode Island, Roger? Uh, you
0: know, oh, of course we shop in Rhode Island. I just want to make sure we're clear. we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to address. Uh, global economy and a regional economy. Uh, okay. You pay economy. your
1: differential sales tax. Too, yeah. you, uh, I'll, I'll okay, well, anyway, um, I have to drive the way a lot for work, so I drive through it all the time. And um, Massachusetts redid that about, who, six, seven, eight years ago? Mm-hmm. So, they're not going to change these times. It's a lot better than it used to be, that's all I'll say about that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's got the it, but they haven't gotten rid of it. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to get rid of the light mm-hmm. on sales road.
0: Alright, so uh, that's uh, the, I guess, the main project uh, in Northfield. Field, that relates to um, sort of um, State Representative Brian Newberry, uh, but I, I, you're sort of admitting that you
1: don't play a major role in this in any way. Oh, in the 146 thing? Yeah. I absolutely did play a major well, role. Well, tell us about it. Well, no, because I was fed up with that for years, and I put together a coalition of legislators about 2017 and started demanding right out take action. Um, and that's when the federal Delegation got involved and got the funding. Mm -hmm. It couldn't be done without federal funding, and that's why I give credit to them. But the reason that was on everybody's radar screen was because of not just me, but I will say I took the lead on it because Mm -hmm. I I live right there too. I mean, everyone knew that intersection was a disaster. It also wasn't just the intersection, the whole road surfacing, remember, was a mess. I mean, it was a mess, and finally that got redone. In fact, they prioritized that last year, even though that's technically temporary just because I'm in such bad shape. So, yeah, absolutely, it did. I'm just totally, I don't like it when politicians stand up and go, oh, I did this, but. That's why I said a lot of people deserve credit for this, but I am absolutely one of them as well.
0: All right, let's uh, go on to uh, other matters. We're going to jump all over the place. Um, when I called uh, Rep Newberry, I said uh, it's kind of uh, all over the place, and so we're going to do that. Let's go to 1st Congressional District. So, Gabe Amo is coming uh, tomorrow, and uh, we've had uh, Jerry Leonard on uh, uh, already, and uh, we'll have them both on again before, uh, before November the 7th. Is there um uh you're a Republican. Uh, you, do you see that uh Jerry Leonard uh has um a shot at uh um, um uh Gabe Amo, who uh, seems to be the favorite of the Rhode Island news media.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that last part is very true. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh so a couple of things on that. First of all, if you look at our just look at the base numbers, uh C D one is obviously more Democratic leaning than C D two at this point. It wasn't always that way, by the way. Things change, they fluctuate. Uh it's a special election, so you really Weird things happen in special elections. I mean, Scott Brown won a special election for the U.S. Senate back in 2010, if everyone Mm -hmm. remembers that. Uh, Jerry's a great candidate. He's a great guy. I got to know him recently. Um, He's got a great resume, smart, well-spoken. Um, doesn't have some of the baggage. Sometimes it's sometimes. I mean, both parties have their crazies, shall we say? Um, he's not one of ours. <laughs> okay, so um, he deserves to win, and he's working hard. Will he? I'm not going to predict he's going to win, but you never know. Again, it's about to, who turns out to vote, folks. Early voting's open. Get out there and vote if you care. If you're in CD one, uh, as far as the Democrats, they had what was it originally? They had ended up with 12 people on the primary mm-hmm. ballot. Yep. Uh, I've never met Gabe Amo, which is unusual because I actually have met most of the other candidates. I just haven't met him, mainly because he hasn't really lived in Rhode Island a long time. I know he's from here, but he worked in Washington, so uh, which is probably part of the reason he went the primary. He Obviously, he ran a decent primary campaign. He wouldn't have won, but when you have 12 people running, it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, there were certain candidates running the Democratic primary that I was just very happy did not win. I'll leave it at that. Um, he seems strikes me as a run-of-the-mill Democrat who's going to be a run-of-the-mill Democratic vote in Washington, which if that's what voters want, I guess that's what they can get. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything negative about the guy. He seems like a decent guy, but he's going to be a rubber stamp for the Democratic agenda in Washington. And I guess we're a Democratic state, so maybe people like that. I don't see why people do, but that's <laughs> that's, that's the world we live in, right? So, picking up your phrase,
0: I'll leave it at that. I want to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, when you said. Uh, um, I'm glad that these candidates lost in the primary. I'll certain, leave it at certain,
1: that. Certain ones, yeah. Certain is
0: it uh, is is it you're leaving it at that because uh, they're in the general assembly? Uh,
1: no. With no, No. You, no. No. Well, was, no. Well, 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 tell me uh, who who no, you're um, happy lost. No, because I don't want to give I don't want to give oxygen. I'm simply saying there's some people that I like. I mean, I agree with them, but I like them, and some of them win, some of them lose, and there's some people that I have no say. What goes on a Democratic primary? But sometimes I know a lot about a person, and I watch their campaigns, and I just roll my eyes. But I. Me endorsing or not endorsing a Democrat is not going to help them. You know what I'm saying? So let's just to say that the right people lost that primary, and I hope they stay away, out stay of politics and go away. I'll leave it at that.
0: Well, the lieutenant governor lost.
1: I'm not talking about her.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, so she's not part of I'll leave it at that no, uh, conversation. No, no. So uh, was she going to – would she be the first congressional uh, candidate if, in fact, she didn't have the uh, – uh, the scandal with the uh, signatures.
1: I don't know. It's hard to say because if you, it's really hard to, there wasn't a lot of polling in that race. And again, it was, it was a special primary election in off year with 12 people on the ballot. So how do you even run a decent poll in a race like that? I mean, Amo ended up coming from behind essentially. He he obviously ran a good campaign and, and a campaign like that's about turnout and getting your voters to the polls. So the early polls showed her ahead, but I don't know how much of that was just name recognition. You know, so I mean, mm-hmm. asking me to predict a special election for a Democratic primary, Roger, I don't know. I'm not the person to do that, right? Well, you're here. <laughs> yeah, know, it's, it's fun to talk about, but I don't right, think my yeah. opinion matters more I, than anybody else's on I, that
0: one. I, um, I'm looking for uh, some background here to help me through because I'm here like Monday through Friday, so it always help, helps to have a little more uh, insight into it. Uh, State Representative Newberry's here. You know State Representative Bree, and he, he was talking about his early voting thing. As a matter of fact, he keeps saying he's going to be introducing in the next session some legislation. I think he's going to introduce two pieces uh, that have to do with early voting. But um, uh, is this – I mean, are you a uh, one-day one election day type of guy or – Do you see a place for uh, early voting? There's a topic I have a lot to say on, Roger. Ladies and gentlemen, here uh, here is
1: Brian Newberry on early voting. So if you went back in time and you asked me that question, um, I'd always been a believer in in sort of a one-day election day. I think it's a communal thing. It It should bring everybody together and so forth and so on. But over time, I came to appreciate that it's sometimes hard for some people to vote on a single day. Uh, if you work a twelve-hour shift at a hospital, for example, or you work the night shift, uh, you know you're an EMS, you're, techn- you're you're up from midnight to eight a.m. You gotta get some sleep. It, it, things happen. I actually missed the um, the primary election uh, for the congressional seat because I was away, and then I had to try a case. I was I was on trial for five weeks in, in Connecticut. I was living in a hotel for most of the time. So things happen, and people can't always make it to election Now, You would say, well, that's why we have absentee ballots. Um, I'm not a fan of mail voting for a bunch of reasons. I think sometimes you have to have that emergency safety valve option. People are traveling out of the country and so on. I get that. But I don't think we should encourage it. So the idea of early voting to allow a window of time for people to make it easier for them to go there. I actually think it's a good idea. In fact, uh, last last year's election, I was the very first voter in North Smithfield to cast a ballot because I had an eye doctor appointment right near town hall and I realized it was the first day of voting. I walked in, I was voter number one. So I, I would say this, I encourage people to vote early if it's available, which it is. Um, I think it's important that way if something happens, your car breaks down on election day, you don't make it to the polls, there's a blizzard, there's a hurricane. Um, so I think I think early voting is a good idea For a limited amount of time I think three weeks of early voting is absurd And the reason I think three weeks of early voting is absurd Is a couple things First, there's there's a certain cost to the towns They have to staff the polls I know it sounds trivial maybe, but it's not But more importantly I I made this argument when we passed the bill in the House Which I voted against it But I I would have voted for a more limited um, period of time Early voting benefits people with organization It benefits incumbents And it benefits people with money And I say that because uh, challengers, and don't forget, I may be an incumbent now, but I was once a challenger. Um, Challengers don't have, usually have those advantages. And they need time to get their message out. If I'm running, and I'm talking about local races. I'm talking about Congress or presidency. I'm talking about town councils. Legislator, school committee. If you're running and you're an unknown person, the more time you have to get your message out before voting, the better chance you have of potentially winning. You also need to coordinate your efforts. Incumbents typically have more money. So an incumbent might be able to send out mail pieces, like, you know, five of them. You've seen, you you probably had candidates, you, you, every day you get some of the mail from someone, right? I got if one from
0: Gabe Armo right here in the studio, right? Yeah, there, right there, there you go, He's right. out there.
1: But if you're a, ch- but I'm, I'm not talking about local stuff, Roger, not, uh-huh. not statewide stuff. Statewide stuff, they're on TV, there's debates, whatever. If you're a local candidate, maybe you've only got the money to put out a couple of mail pieces. Well, if you know it's a limited voting window, you can at least target your efforts. But if you have three weeks... it's much harder to compete. And I know this may sound a little esoteric. I don't know if everyone listening understands what I'm trying to say here. But having lived this, three weeks of early voting is a benefit to the well-connected, the powerful, the incumbents, and the people with money. And I don't think we want to encourage that. There's no need for three weeks. I would say, me personally, I would say the weekend, the Monday, Tuesday, I could live with a week. That's fine. Three weeks is too much, especially given our primary schedule. We have a late primary, which I encourage, by the way. I have no problem with that. But the later the primary is, you may not necessarily know here your opponents can be in the general election. Right now we have four weeks in between the end of the primary and the beginning of early voting. Again, benefits, the well-connected, the wealthy, the incumbents. Is that what we want to do?
0: Um, do you believe in ballot harvesting? Do you think it happens out there? The uh, and well, well, early yeah. voting uh, helps it, doesn't it?
1: Early vo- well... Yes, and they're, they're two different things. Ballot harvesting is the idea of going to people's doors, essentially, and getting them to fill out mail ballot applications yep. and collecting the mail ballots from which I think is totally inappropriate. It's legal, but it's not right. Um, early voting is different. Early voting, the person has to actually go to the polls and vote. Same as election day. They just have a bigger window of time to do it. Uh, ballot harvesting happens, and again, that's why I'd, I'd much rather see much more restrictions placed on the mail balloting. Really restrict the mail balloting, but open up the early voting I, is how I look at
0: it. Well, you see it as two different things.
1: They are, they are, right. they are different things, right. And by the way, I encourage yeah. all voters to vote at the polls. Whether you go early or not, vote at the polls. Don't vote by mail, unless you absolutely have to. Uh, so what
0: is the, the justification for anyone going to somebody's house and picking up a ballot and then bringing it not to a polling place, but bringing it to City Hall, Not somehow gets counted as a ballot. I don't understand. There
1: is no justification for it. The justification is the political well, I machine... I want you to
0: sponsor legislation outlawing it.
1: Well, it,
0: I... <laughs> you know? It's not <laughs> it used to very
1: far. It used to be essentially very hard to do. Now we've made it easier. Right? Now it used to be you had to have a reason to vote by mail. You had to at least at least have the pretense that you had some reason how to do it. Now there's like a catch-all. Anybody can do it. And... I think the ballot harvesters, I don't want to say prey is the wrong word because it, there's no indication that the people who, whose ballots are harvested, for the most part, don't actually vote for people they may want to. It just tends to go – it tends to be focused on people who would otherwise not vote. And one of my least favorite arguments when it comes to politics is this argument that we need to encourage more people to vote. No, No, we don't. We need to encourage people who are informed to vote. I don't care if 10 percent of the population votes or 90 percent of the population votes. What I care is that everybody who votes is an informed voter. You know, if I lose to a race and I lose to informed voters, say, la vie. I'm not the candidate that people want. I don't want to lose a race to a bunch of people that don't even really care, but people go out and harvest their ballots. That's to me is just wrong. That's not democracy. It's not the will of the people. It's the will of the machine that has the money and the organization to do it.
0: Is there not much of an interest in ballot harvesting because it's, let, for instance, in Osment not a real problem and not a problem in Gloucester or Richmond or Hopkinton? I, I was
1: going to say I think part of it is it's very uh, targeted. Geographically, yeah. I mean, I've never had a concern about a North Smithfield election or the integrity of it. the single exception, by the way, of, the, of uh, St. Antoine Nursing Home in 2014, which I wrote about in the Providence Journal. That's the discussion of the day. But I've never had any concerns about, about uh, anything, shenanigans in North Smithfield. Uh, I think this is something that tends to go on in uh, urban areas where you have a lot of people concentrated and a lot of trans- – it really, it's a lot of transient people. Because telling North Smithfield, people come and go, but the voting pop, the voting base is a fairly stable community. The more urban, the more cities you get, you get apartments, more students go to the east side of Providence. Every other election, there's a different group of students. It'd be very In fact, I think it was um, David. um, Let's see. He's run for Congress a couple of times. David Siegel. David Siegel, when he first got elected to the Providence City Council. Uh, I'm not saying he did anything appropriate, but the way he got elected as a Green Party candidate, it was he motivated the students at Brown University. Well, think about it. The students at Brown University who elected him to the council wherever it was 20-something years ago for that one election, they were gone by the time he finished serving his council term. Now, they have every right to vote, but they're not exactly representative of the people who live there. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. We're
0: going to take a call then to take a commercial break. So I'm going to press this button. Bring up this volume control, and there should be somebody at the other end. Hello there. Hello. Hi.
2: Okay, I couldn't, I, did, I couldn't tell whether you could hear me. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to ask your opinion, Mr. Newberry, although I had to laugh out loud when you, when you said you did, if people aren't informed, they shouldn't vote. I'm, all, I'm involved with a group of women. We did a project, and we sent out letters relative to photo ID on mail-in ballots. I only want to know... If you received that letter, because we are having various reports that mail is not being sorted in Providence, and we don't know. That's my only question. Did you receive a letter from a group with a stamp on it relative to um, photo IDs for mail and ballots?
1: When did you send it out? Uh,
2: It went out before 11 o'clock, Thursday, October 5th. I think if that was a Thursday, we meet. We meet usually on Wednesday, so I've got it written on my calendar, and I'll go look. Um, we we sent it out then. It was first class mail. It had a stamp with a Native American on it, very distinctive. October fifth, before it, eleven o'clock. Answer, all mail. To answer
1: your question is I I cannot specifically recall. I seem to remember getting something in the mail on that issue. The, the unfortunate problem is that we all get a lot of junk mail, but one of the things, if you get elected to office, the amount of emails and mail that you get becomes overwhelming. You're um, talking
2: to somebody who was in politics, so yeah, I understand yeah. that.
1: I do I do think I got something like that. I don't specifically recall, it, but when you mentioned the topic, I do remember, here. but I, I thought it was older than that. That's why when you said you said October 5th, I was a little surprised because I was essentially... Uh, not living at home for five weeks, except on weekends and during the I month of September, say that. yeah, so if you sent it earlier,
0: but I, I do you have a follow yeah. up question now that uh, he's answered that
2: well I, I don't want to put him on the spot publicly, mm-hmm. but I do want to say why not we, It cost <laughs> us a lot of money to send a first class mail with an enclosed first class stamp envelope, mm-hmm. so um we have received some answers. And um, not many. And we were curious as to whether it was lethargy or uh, people who are in the general assembly when they're not in session just don't care but if you recall it you could not help but notice the stamp it was first class it wasn't uh it wasn't junk mail but thank you very much um representative newberry i i'm glad that you took the time to come on to the radio station thank you so thank you and if you find the letter we'd appreciate it if you'd mail it back
0: all right thank you Mail that piece of mail back. Maybe do you uh, have a little desk that uh, with that kind of stuff? I can
1: say if the if the um, question was, do I support photo ID? Which I do. In fact, I was the co-sponsor along with uh, John Breen (laughs) back when his first say back in two thousand nine. I absolutely have always supported that for mail ballots. I would support it as well. I guess the question is, how do you do that? Because you can request a mail ballot online through the mail. That's the that's the problem. Um, But I, I support photo ID. Always have.
0: All right, uh, we have another call waiting, but it's time for a break, so we'll get a few commercials uh, in, and we'll be right back. With State Representative Brian Newberry, we are doing a free-for-all today.
1: Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for
0: everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices
1: awaiting you at the Roast House. Roast
0: House, great restaurant, and uh, they'll be open for lunch today. And uh, when you go over to the roast house, you get the uh, the first thing they do is they offer you the uh, uh, what called luncheon menu. Yeah, that's what you call it. And uh, you can find things there, uh, $7.99, $8.99. And they all come with uh, the side of the choice, you know, coleslaw or uh, maybe some, uh, some kind of um, potato. And... Then they offer you the regular menu, too, in case you want to choose uh, one of their great burgers or uh, one of their great entrees. We are the Roast House. We're in Blackstone, Massachusetts, and uh, we have another Roast House in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, for that matter. All right, you're on Daybreak Southern... uh, No, it's the wrong show. You're on the Upfront program. I forgot where I was. And um, we'll get back to uh, Representative uh, Newberry, but uh, we're going to check in with Kay or Kosher. They're a... uh, a uh, firm that uh, that takes care of accounting, and they're certified. At the CPA firm of K or Kasha, we believe in the value of relationships. We view every client relationship like a partnership and truly believe that our success is a result of your success. We're committed to providing close personal attention to our clients. We take pride in giving you the assurance that the personal assistance you receive comes from years of advanced training and technical experience. Dedicated and trusted for over 30 years. For K K. Certified Public Accountants, with offices in Warwick at 732-8900 and Woonsocket at 766-8100. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Well, Scott McGee has uh, properties all over the greater Woonsocket area. And uh, the one we're going to focus on today is on uh, Ledge Way in uh, Albion Village. It's a nice little ranch uh, there. And uh, it is in a desirable neighborhood, Albion Village. Three bedrooms, one full bath, perfect for a first-time buyer or perhaps someone waiting to downsize to one-level living. The interior of the house has been freshly painted and new flooring throughout. And as you enter the home, you'll find a laundry-slash-mudroom. The Eat In Kitchen features uh, plenty of beautiful uh, cabinetry. And uh, you'll uh, find uh, that the, the lot is uh, 7,400 square feet. Nice little lot in, <coughs> excuse me, in Albion Village. All right, there's uh, Scott McGee, 631-2906 is the number to call. And he will take care of uh, showing you uh, any piece of property that uh, we might have. One more uh, ad here. We're going to check in with Charlie's Tire Service. They're in Bellingham, Massachusetts. And then we'll grab another call and uh, ask some more questions of um, State Representative Brian Newberry. Charlie's Tire and Service Center in Bellingham is the go-to shop for all your tire and mechanical needs. Serving Bellingham, Franklin, Blackstone, and nearby communities for well over 40 years. We specialize in tires, wheel alignments, and general auto maintenance and repair. South Main Street at Route 126 in Bellingham, open Monday through Friday, 730 to 5. Stop in and talk to our service manager at Charlie's Tire and Service Center. Call us at 508-883-1211 and make an appointment. You can check us out on Facebook, too. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, you ready for another call, sir? Sure. All right, press the button, see what's going on here. Hello, what would you like to talk about?
3: Well, first of all, what um, Mr. Newberry is saying he's practiced. When he first started running, he went door to door in North Smithfield. I can remember; I thought he was a college student trying to sell something. As I saw him come up in his his uh, uh, Bermuda shorts and, and polo shirt, and I said, "Oh, God, he's well, one of he those, huh?" No, uh-huh. and year <laughs> after year, every time he ran, door to door. And the other thing that that I I maybe he can answer this today. They're not voting people because of qualifications it's usually gender or their race but If you have that hey you're halfway in and it's wrong perhaps we should start being educating our, our our students in school what makes a person qualified because it's not working that way now just look at federal people in office and state people
0: in office. All right, let's take a listen to uh, Mr. Newberry. I'm going to ask him a few questions based on your remarks. Thank you for your call. So um, in certain uh, uh, urban districts like Providence or Pateka Central Falls, maybe race uh, is more important than qualifications. Uh, maybe it isn't. Uh, as opposed to, let's say, North Smithfield, where um, maybe it's a different story. You you may see it differently. What do you think?
1: I, I think it's a complicated question, and here's why. Um, I know when I first got elected, and I, I, this is true for anybody who gets elected, and this is true even now. I've been in the legislature for a long time. There are certain topics that I know a lot about because of my background. There's other topics that I am not an expert in.
0: You mean like PUC? Like the
1: PUC, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, there's certain, th- like, there's certain issues that come to the floor of the house where I just know because of my background. I can, I can talk at length and detail about it based on personal history. So the concept of diversity, and I, the thing about diversity that bothers me is if it's just skin color or ethnicity, to me that's wrong. Diversity, to me, though, does mean diversity of experience and backgrounds. Um, I'm an attorney. Everyone jokes at how many lawyers are on the General Assembly. There's actually an article in today's Projo about the educational background of the Assembly. There's not as many lawyers actually pricing lawyers as people think there are on the Assembly. It's actually a small number. Um, I think it's important in an elected body to have people with different backgrounds and different walks of life. But I think that just basing it solely on race or gender is just wrong. So if you don't want a legislature with 75 of me, you don't. I don't want that because there's there's gaps of ignorance in my knowledge and history. But that's also true of 75 of anybody. Um, I I don't know if that really answers your question, Roger. But, you know, I I don't want to hear you should vote for me because I'm a woman. You should vote for me because I'm black or whatever. I think that's just foolish. But if you want to say, listen, um, I grew up in uh public housing and i had a tough background single family and i school of hard knocks and i'm going to be much different in the way i have an outlook on life than the, the kid the rich kid from chicago with the silver spoon yeah you know what i mean that's true and and but both are true you know what i mean you don't <laughs> you need you need a mixture of backgrounds all right three of the top
0: stories in the last 2 weeks ukraine then it gets bumped off by the israeli hamas situation and then the Republicans in the House of Representatives in Washington. So let's go to the Ukraine first. It is. Um, is there still a war going on there? Yes. I, I, that, I've never
1: heard anything. Where is Ukraine? Is it right. Russia? Is it a country?
0: <laughs> that's it's like it issue. dropped
1: off the face of the earth. Right? All
0: right, comment, please. Um, no, I
1: mean, I just it's it's been front and forth, you know, center for, and it, it, for obvious reasons, and all of a sudden, I mean. We have on the, you always have on the TV news, the sound during runs. I, I, you wouldn't think there's anything happening there anymore. I understand that there's a certain amount of bandwidth that news can cover at a given time. and There's other issues, but it's almost as if it's not happening. I, it's, there's still a war as far as I know. So I don't know how that's going to end or when it's going to end. Now,
0: comment on the 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 war that is getting the headlines and the predicament whether I think it's a predicament for the president. I think it's a predicament for me and you for citizens of the United States. Uh, it's a uh,
1: well, what do you think? Are you talking about Israel? Or Israel, talking- yes. And the I mean to me this is a, <laughs> I, I have a lot I can say on this. Well, I want you um, to. Yeah. So I don't understand how anybody can wa- Let me back up. The history of the Middle East going back for centuries ...is widely misunderstood by a lot of people. And there's a lot of people who are ideologues, other, you know, like the socialists. They have this view of, uh, you know, class warfare and also the nonsense. The history of the Mideast is, is widely misunderstood by a lot of people. And while no one is perfect, I don't know how anybody can see what just happened there... ...and not be outraged at Hamas and not absolutely unequivocally condemn mass murder of everybody... Children, teenagers, babies, there is no, zero justification for what just happened there. And let's put it this way. If we in the United States, look at the border of Detroit and Windsor, Ontario, Canada, okay? There's a bridge from Ontario into into Detroit, over the Detroit River. If the Canadians were to send in a bunch of guys with automatic weapons and murder 1,400 Americans, mutilate their bodies, advertise on social media... Celebrate it in the streets. How do you think the United States would react to that? Okay? That's what Israel is facing.
0: Frankly, I'm not sure anymore.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what Israel is facing. It's easy for us, it's easy for our college kids at Brown to parade around at the State House and chant slogans they don't even understand. All right? Israel is facing an existential threat. These people want every Israeli dead. That's what from the river to the sea means. They want them all dead. They are no better than the Nazis. That's the reality. So if you're Israeli, how else do you respond? What are you supposed to do? That's my take on that.
0: So what what makes a so, so-called educated person
1: uh, ignore that? Um, there's a slogan that I like. It's called credentialed, not educated. Mm-hmm. OK, and there's there's a lot of people that just uh, this is a broader topic, but there's a lot of people that just are easy. They they, they, they want to be part of the cause. Uh, Anti-Semitism is a real thing. I never really appreciated how strong anti-Semitism still is in this country until the last few weeks. I mean, I know it exists. You hear about it. But like to actually to actually see it in action, to see 500 people show up. Understand, from the river to the sea is a call for genocide. That's what it is. That doesn't mean everybody yelling that slogan understands that. But once it's explained to them, if they continue to do it, how else are you supposed to interpret their motivations? And by the way, some of the worst atrocities in the history of the world were perpetrated by so called educated people. I mean, people like Lenin and Trotsky were not stupid, and they were not uneducated. They were evil. Evil exists. Hamas is evil, and it shouldn't be hard for people, and I'm looking at you, Democratic Socialists of America and of Rhode Island. It should not be hard for you to say, this is evil, this is wrong. Yet you try to get them to say it, and they equivocate, and they dance around, and they go on the air, and they talk with other talk show hosts, and they use this pseudo-intellectual nonsense. Enough. Call evil what it is. Have some moral courage. What about the Jewish
0: community? Isn't it divided on, on this issue? I mean, uh, if I, um, you know, I'm seeing people say, I'm of uh, the Jewish faith and uh, I'm for Palestine. And, and what? so is there a divide in the for Jewish so, state? I, I'm,
1: I'm not Jewish, so I can't speak for the Jewish community. I'm sure any group of people will always have people who disagree on an issue. Um, from what I've read and heard, it seems that this has united all of Israel. I mean, Israel was, as I understand, their government was a practical, you know, I want to say, civil war. But they were at odds. There's a lot of divisions in the Israeli government. This seems to have united them all for the moment. But I, I, I can't answer that question. I mean, you always gonna get, you can always find somebody somewhere, and it says, uh, you know, uh, you can find somebody to say anything about anything.
0: I wanted to comment on uh, the news media, Rhode Island news media, and. National news media. What do you think? What do you think of them? In general? Well,
1: um, we'll start in general. I think the national, when you say national news media, if we're talking about the major network TV and the major national newspapers, the New York Times and Washington Post, I think they're a disgrace. Um, I don't know if they're worse than they used to be. They're clearly slanted. I think, I think part of it, the economics of, of uh, journalism and the press is, is is hard because it used to be. That they had near monopolies. Everybody used to watch Walter Cronkite, right? When you have a near monopoly, um, you know, you can kind of cover a lot of stuff and everyone's kind of stuck listening to you. Now you get each of the cable networks, for example. And and by the way, I'm not just talking about liberal. I mean, I think Fox is a disgrace, too. I, I think... They're all they're all looking for the niche audience. Niche. I can't. Pronounce, I never pronounce that word correctly. You know what I'm saying? Little select audience. Good enough for this program. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they're always looking for the little select audience. And when you're looking to aim your target market at a select audience, you're going to slant what you give them to make them to, to give them what they want to hear. I mean, look at the coverage of the supposed uh, hospital bombing. It, it's pretty. Uh, we know what happened. It was one of the terrorist rockets fell short and landed in a parking lot. But the New York Times. Well, I have no respect for by the way. The New York Times runs a headline immediately based on Hamas propaganda claiming that the Israelis bombed a hospital and killed 500 people. That was just false. It was a lie on the front page of the New York Times. And these are the same people that have the gall to claim to be fact-checking others and calling for censorship of things like Twitter and the Internet. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. So does that answer your question, I think, about the national news media?
0: Yeah. How about the Rhode Island news media?
1: I think the Rhode Island news media is better and I don't say that because I have to deal with them. Um, I know a lot of the individual reporters. I, I think some of them are very, very good. Uh, I think some of the ones that are very good are still biased. But I think bias is fine. Everyone's biased. Every reporter, every reporter is going to have a bias. The judge of how good they are as reporters, how much they're able to not mask their bias, but not let their bias affect the ultimate work product. And I think when it comes to covering the general assembly – I've noticed, actually, I'll, I'll be very blunt, I've noticed over many years, when it comes to covering the General Assembly, I think the Rhode Island local news media has been pretty good, except on certain issues. Gun control is a big one. The gun control coverage of what goes on in the General Assembly, gun control issues, every year there's always some bills. Whatever your view on the bills is, the coverage in Rhode Island is always incredibly slanted against guns, always. The Province Journal is the worst offender at that, by the way. It's not one person. It's the entire newspaper has been that way my entire tenure. Um, so certain issues, I think, the local press uh, is very slanted on. But overall, I think it's generally pretty good. And you can always nitpick any individual thing, but the, the pe- they do try.
0: There was a time the Providence Journal was a great influencer. Here in 2023, electronic or print? Um, um, has print really taken the second place uh, without leading the question?
1: Uh, the Providence Journal still has some good reporters, but the newspaper itself is a shell. It's a shell. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I, don't, I get all of my news from electronic. I mean, I think some of the best coverage, I'm not trying to promote any particular organization, no, but I think some of, the, some of the best local coverage comes from, like, for example, Ch- I don't watch TV news, but Channel 12's online. Mm-hmm. Online stuff is very good. And it's the equivalent of reading in print. It's just you're reading it on a computer screen. Uh, do you uh, listen to public radio at all in Rhode Island? Um, no. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, occasionally I listen to Ian Donis's shows, yeah, because the, the the political roundtable shows. Um, so I listen to that show. I don't listen to the rest of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Understood. All right, President Biden. And Donald Trump, and we have a Ron DeSantis should be
1: elected president.
0: Thank you. We'll go to break right now. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, no, I'm serious. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis give me the the, All right.
1: If you are if you are looking to uh, elect a Republican president, Ron DeSantis is far and away, far and away, the best candidate. Now, you may not like him because you don't like Republican candidates. That's fine. But among the Republican challengers, the guy is effective. I mean, he does what he says he's going to do. And he enacts the policies that he says. So if you want those kinds of policies, elect a guy who has a track record of actually doing it. Trump had four years, did some good things, didn't handle COVID very well, and then beclowned himself after the 2020 election. And by the way, he's unelectable. I know a lot of people that hate him with a blinding passion. They would vote for another Republican candidate. They will never vote for Donald Trump. So Donald Trump has no chance of winning. End of story. You may like him or not. People listening to this may disagree. They may like him. They may hate him whatever. He's not going to be. he's not even going to be Joe Biden, which – Think about that for a second. And by the way, the Democrats, I don't envy their position just from purely— Before you get to the yeah. Democrats, uh, so put into perspective
0: the polls that say that Trump is ahead. Uh, uh, the, you
1: it, know uh, it, well, it, there's an answer to that. Well, uh, there's a couple answers to that. First of all, I think when you poll people, particularly conservative voters, conservative voters, and I am one, so I they tend to distrust polling. And so it depends what the questions are. If the question is something like, you know, do you—they're they, not going to—put it this way. Let's see what happens when the first votes are actually cast— I'll predict right now that the Santos wins the Iowa caucuses, and as soon as that happens, as soon as this shine, this aura that you know Trump is somehow the the uh, front runner, gets dissipated, his his campaign is going to collapse. Don't forget, the Democrats want to run against Trump. They, I mean, every excuse they can to promote him, and this goes back to the press. They do. It, it, it's it's so obvious. Democratic political strategists are salivating to run against Trump for the reasons I just said. So and part of the problem, and I I started to say I don't envy from a purely political point of view, we're not talking um, um, policy or who's better. The Democrats have a real problem because you have a sitting president who clearly is not qualified to be in office even now and a vice president that nobody likes, but they can't get rid of either one of them. So they're stuck with Biden right now. And I don't know how that's going to play out. No prediction. You just don't know
0: how, huh? Uh,
1: if if Biden is still physically healthy enough to run for office, he will be the Democrat nominee. But the number of actual Democrats that want that to happen is probably pretty small, even if they don't admit it.
0: Brian <coughs> Brian Newberry is the voice you're hearing and uh, state representative. North Smithfield, a sliver of Boroughville, right?
1: A uh, good chunk of Boroughville, actually. Oh,
0: should. tell me how much of Boroughville. About
1: 20% of the population, about 25% of the land mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good chunk. The best part I like to say, Roger.
0: Do you ever go into uh, Boroughville? Do you ever cross the line? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well you were asking me whether I crossed the line a little bit earlier. Actually, I get
1: to be honest, I get the, I get my best vote tallies in Boroughville, so yeah.
0: Uh-huh. All right. We're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a break here. Uh let me see uh, what's on the agenda here for uh, commercials. Oh yes, um uh Grumpies in South Bellingham. Yes, um see I go into Massachusetts because we have some advertisers there. Is that uh, a good good excuse? That's a
1: very good excuse. Massachusetts actually has some good businesses. Believe it or not, there's
0: some reasons to go there. (laughs) So, what's in your appetite at Grumpy's in South Bellingham? Their menu is so expansive we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy signature burger. There are twelve to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler of haddock, scallops, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out a taste of Italy too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti, and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a Grumpy sirloin steak filet young, or a Bourbon Street steak tip dinner. All char broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week. It's time to make it a Grumpy's experience today. Yes, and they'll be open for lunch uh, at noontime, as they are every day, Monday uh, through uh, Friday. Uh, and uh, we have, uh, like, for instance, uh, chowder and clam cakes, always available, $9.99. A great Italian grinder that you can have warmed up, served with fries, nine ninety nine. That's a that's a great sandwich. Uh, for lunch, may we suggest? Rumpies. Here's Dick Bouchard for Allstate. Let's talk about auto insurance. Does your current policy provide a claim satisfaction guarantee? The answer is no, unless you have Allstate, because no other insurance company makes that promise. And you can get a quick quote on home and car insurance from the Benjamin Allstate Insurance Agency with two convenient offices, the main office across from Dowling Village and their new office, 72 South Main Street, South. Bellingham. Pull out your current insurance policy page and see how much you'll save by switching to the Benjamin Allstate Agency. And let's talk about Allstate's claim satisfaction guarantee, which means you get your money back, no questions asked, included free with your standard Allstate policies. Kara Benjamin and her staff ready to serve you in person or by telephone. Call 401-765-5000. Puts you in touch with either office. Let's talk about savings with Allstate Home and Car Insurance. Remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The General Assembly, of which uh, Mr. Newberry is a member, lawmakers, uh, Added an additional $39 million on top of $250 million in federal funds already allocated to support housing development. Let's talk about housing. Uh, so, you know, you guys in North Midfield, uh, according to statistics, don't do well uh, in making housing available or affordable housing that's as other communities.
1: Well, no, dispute that. No, it's, it's actually not, it's not true at all. Okay. Um, I think the whole state has a problem. We have a law in place that's been in place for, was it, 30 years now, I think, that calls for 10% affordable housing. You can debate whether what afford, debate how to define affordable housing. You can debate whether 10% is too low. There are, the last I checked, which is about a year or two ago, there were only six communities that hit that 10% threshold. One side one of them. Burlville is another one, by the way. North Smithfield was, I think, just below the threshold. So it's all relative. Uh, out of 39 cities and towns, North Smithfield probably ranks in the top 10 or close to it. They don't meet the standard, but we're pretty close, as opposed to a number of other towns who don't even try. So I will defend my town and say we're doing the best we can. By the way, this is a classic example. I don't know what's going on with this, but you know the corner where the little general is where St. Paul Street and uh, Great Road meet? Absolutely know it. About, I forget, three, four years ago, I want to say it's right before COVID hit, there was talk about replacing, it's, there's an old Tupperware building in there, it's been used for various stuff. There was talk about replacing with the low-income housing. It's a perfect spot for it. If you bring the water down St. Paul Street, and you want to start talking about building housing that people can afford, that's a great place to put it. Why does it take so long to build or do anything in this state? I don't know what's going on with it, but why has that not happened? You know the old saw about they built the Empire State Building in a year or something like that back in the '30s. Yeah, we can't even put in a run-of-the-mill affordable housing complex. Like what is going on, and that's the problem. That's a statewide problem. That's a northeast problem. It's a regulatory problem.
0: You should understand that better by looking at some of the projects on Route One Hundred Two <laughs>
2: over yeah. the years.
1: No, I, I no, but I'm seeing. But that's that's the problem. So when you start off the conversation by saying North Smithfield doesn't do very well, I, I do take issue with that because our town has actually done pretty well. Not perfect, we've done pretty well with that. Um, so anyway,
0: that's your position, and you're sticking with it.
1: It's the correct position.
0: This General Assembly session coming up, uh, uh, is it something that, uh, you know, will be, um, it's going to be an off-year off session in the sense that there will be nobody running at that particular time. Uh, so no, no, it's actually,
1: uh, it's, what do you remember, think? We, have, we have sessions for two-year terms. Mm-hmm. This is an election year coming up. By definition, but in it's... November. We're not, of, of next yeah, year. Yeah, but it doesn't – from the psychology of the people in office, I'm telling you. No,
0: so tell us the odd, that the odd number of
1: years right, that come right after the election, everyone's thinking about actual policy and doing the right thing. As soon as you get into the even number of years, people start thinking about reelection. That's just the reality. People tend to act a little differently. I also think – going back to the topic we discussed a little while ago, I think the speaker is going to have a real problem with some of his caucus. He basically has some pro-Hamas members of his caucus. And he's got some other members of his caucus who are either Jewish or very sympathetic to Israel. And I don't know how some of these people, after recent events, are going to be able to work together. I, I mean that. Like I, some of the public statements that have been made by some members of the legislature regarding what's going on in the Middle East, I, I don't know when people are finally face to face in a room how that's going to that's going to fly. And um, you know that's going to be interesting to watch him balance those dynamics.
0: Those. Um- those people who are on opposing views, I thought most of them were on the Senate. But uh, you're saying that some of them are in, in the, the more
1: loud than in the Senate. But uh, put it this way, the Democratic Socialists of America has basically come out and more or less endorsed Hamas. They'll argue with me and say, oh, we don't endorse Hamas, but they won't condemn them. So I'll take that as an endorsement. Every time you say condemn terrorism, they, they, they equivocate and start making up excuses and run for the hills. Um, we have active members, people who are endorsed by our members of the Democratic Socialists of America. They haven't come out and say anything. Where are they? They're afraid to. If you they, they believe it, okay, which is worse, or they're afraid to do the right thing. And I don't know how, if people are supporting people that want you dead, you're supposed to sit next to them in a legislative chamber and be civil. Be honest.
0: Will uh, the ground war be halted after um, after well, like the president is saying maybe that? Uh, Israel should uh, rethink uh, doing the ground war. And, um, but, and Biden, Biden's
1: saying next, he's looking at his poll numbers in Michigan. Mm-hmm, okay. I, I don't care what Biden has to say. Israel's going to do what Israel thinks it has to do for right or wrong. They're not going to. I mean, I, I, the, the ground, I, don't, I can't answer that question. I, I don't know what's going to happen over there. But my point earlier is I don't know what the Israelis are supposed to do differently. You cannot be neighbors with people. Who want you all dead. And who have the ability to do what Hamas just did. You have to do something about it. I'm glad I'm not in command of the IDF. I'm glad I'm not an Israeli politician. They have very difficult choices to make. But it's easy for us, the United States, to sit there and criticize them. If we were in their position, we'd be acting the same way.
0: We've got a minute. Would you like to um, uh, maybe talk talk on some topic that uh, you were hoping I'd bring up but didn't bring up?
1: Uh, we were going to talk about the PUC, and I told you it's one of my areas I don't know a lot of expertise <laughs> in. Uh, we can talk about green energy and what a scam it is. How about that? <laughs>
0: Well, you go ahead and tell me, why is green energy? Well, no, actually, a scam? no,
1: in all seriously, I mean, people love to talk about <clears throat> green energy. Uh, you know, battery. what do you think all the minerals come from? Everybody look up the child labor in places like the Congo? I love these people like, oh, you know, I got solar panels, so I'm going to save the planet. Or I'm going to make everyone buy an electric car. Where do you think the electricity comes from? It doesn't come from wind farms. It still comes from gas and oil. We, the ele- I was reading to somebody the other day that in order to make the, the entire country uh, run entirely on electric vehicles alone requires something like, I, I don't want to put out the wrong numbers, I was re- but like millions of miles of electrical transmission lines that we don't have. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that we shouldn't try to be more, econ- uh, more environmentally conscious. Of course we could. But there's national security implications. If we put our entire electrical grid and, and our, our vehicle grid into the hands of countries like China that control most of the rare earth minerals that are needed, we're subjecting ourselves to being basically held hostage by them down the road. And th- these are all intertwined issues. And it's real easy to pontificate and advocate for more subsidies for solar farms. That's a tiny piece of this issue. Sorry, we, I could go on for an hour on this time.
0: Well, you can't because um, I'm going to thank you for being here <laughs> yeah, okay. and say goodbye to you. Thank you for uh, accommodating your schedule to me. Oh, anytime, right. Two now. weeks in a row. I appreciate that. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow with Gabe Amo on the Upfront program. Until then, see you later. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI One Socket.